Inclusive is brought to you by Destination Everywhere, a company dedicated to travelers of all abilities. My name is Eleonora and I'm your host. And a big warm welcome to our second guest on the all-inclusive podcast, Josh Grisdale from Tokyo, Japan. Hello, thank you for having me. No, thank you. Thank you for taking part. Um, now, Josh is a Canadian who's fallen in love with Japan and has been living there since 13 years. Yeah, 2007 uh, It's how long I've been living here. I first came back in 2000 um, and I came a couple other times after that. So my first experience in Japan was about 20 years ago. Wow. And you say you like to say you're not an expat, but a naturalized citizen. Yes, that's right. Uh, because actually, oh, yeah, I am a naturalized citizen. Um, I gave up my Canadian citizenship and I became a Japanese citizen uh, about four years ago, almost five years ago, I guess, in 2016. Um, so I love Japan that much that um, yeah, I'm willing to be a full-time member. So. Oh, this is, this is really great because um, you've been working as a webmaster for Azali Group which is a service for elderly care, education, and medicine. But we have you here because you are the maximum expert on accessibility in Japan. <laughs> and I'm actually wondering why the tourism board doesn't just hire you to, to do this, because you know everything. I and, um, well, I, I actually do have a, a good uh, relationship with uh, the tourism board in Japan. Um, I'm on a couple of committees, um, and so encouraging accessible tourism. Uh, so... I, I def, I'm, got my foot in the door anyways, or my wheel in the door, so I'm hoping to maybe maybe someday. Yeah, because you really, you know everything. I mean, your website, AccessibleJapan.com, is the resource for, for people who want to come and visit. And I'm guessing you get a lot of requests, too, and lots of uh, um, emails and messages for for people from people who want to come and visit. Yeah, well, it's slowed down this past year for some reason or other, but uh, because of course, <laughs> But uh, yeah, otherwise I'm, I'm quite busy with um, helping people uh, find the information they need. Um, I'm not a tour operator, um, and uh, so I, I need to let people know that sometimes. Um, uh, but I, I'm actually, because of this is sort of a part-time uh, hobby of mine. Um, so what I wanted to do was sort of, the, when I first came to Japan back in uh, 2000, um, there was really no information on accessible travel. Uh, so you would have, you know, a It was back well, because it was back in 2000. There weren't really many websites. There wasn't like a TripAdvisor or um, those kind of websites to, to find lots of information. And so you'd only have this information from guidebooks. Um, and you know, guidebooks are only maybe 300 pages long, so they're not going to dedicate a lot of information uh, for you know accessibility. Uh, so you might get something like you know, Japan is uh, very crowded and difficult to get around in a wheelchair, and that's maybe all you'd find if you ever did find anything at all. Um, So one of the goals for Accessible Japan is to create the website that I, I wish I had 20 years ago, um, sort of as a, uh, an all-purpose general guide to um, getting the best out of Japan to help you prepare um, uh, for your trip, um, uh, but also just, you know, some tips for you know, when you're here, places to see, places to stay, stuff like that. Super. And you did you did more, actually, because AccessibleJapan.com you created in 2015. But then um, two years later, you created a community for um, for accessible travel, so a worldwide community. 
which was called Accessible Travel Forum, and which then, since um, 2020, is called Tabi Folk. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Sure. Um, yeah, well, actually, it's, sort of, it's just quite related to Accessible Japan. Um, I think that um, one of the lessons I, I learned a lot from building Accessible Japan, it actually started more as a blog. Um, and then I, I get all these questions from people, um, and I think, you know, well, if somebody has uh, the desire to go and write an email, and there's probably 10 other people that have the same question that aren't going as far as writing email. So uh, probably behind every question, there's, you know, 10 other people wanting to know the same thing. So because of that, uh, the website sort of um, took its shape, um, you know, sort of it pushed me up beyond my own uh, experience because, you know, I, I, I use a power wheelchair. Um, I have cerebral palsy. Um, so I use that to get around. And um, so I, that's where my expertise is. So I don't know things about, you know, using a guide dog in Japan. So it was because I was asked questions about those kind of things that um, I, you know, I developed the, the resources on the site. And so at first, um, with Accessible Japan, I was doing everything by email. And um, in addition to getting you know, those different emails, uh, is that I would get often the same questions over and over again. Um, oh, no, no means a complaint or anything like that. Uh, but it was, it was realizing that you know, communicating by email, it, it really helps for that, the one person involved. Um, and they get the information they need. But um, again, because there are probably other 10 other people that have the same question, um, it's kind of a, uh, unfortunate that, you know, it ends with that conversation. Um, so I figured that, you know, having something more online um, that, you know, people can sort of just, who are looking up information or just want to peek, uh, can also see that information and learn something from it. Um, and if they want, they, they can jump in. So I thought, you know, having some sort of a community would be great. Um, so. That's where the Accessible Travel Forum started. Um, and I quickly realized that the name was way too long. Um, and it was, yeah, I, I didn't get annoyed every time I had to type it in. Um, so I, I hate to write my email address, you know, info at accessibletravelforum.com, you know. Uh, and also, you know, just thinking about, you know, a lot of, you know, companies, there's, um, you know, the name sort of goes away after a while. After you keep saying it, um, it sort of just becomes a sound like, you know, Facebook or something like that. You know, if you say Facebook, it sounds really, really silly if you think about it. Um, but it's just sort of become a, a word now. Or, um, so um, so I, I wanted to sort of create a, a shorter name that, uh, you know, had some of the roots in there. So Tabi actually means um, it's not the cat. Everybody thinks it's the cat, but it's not, the, it, it's not a Tabi cat. It's uh, Tabi means a journey in Japanese. Um, and folk means, uh, you know, people. So, you know, it's people on a journey is, uh, is the, where the name comes from. Um, and it's sort of like, uh, uh, you know, Facebook in a way that you can, people can join, create their own profiles. Uh, they can join different groups and they can ask questions or share information, you know, share, you know, funny videos or the other day you say, shared, a, you know, an image that was kind of funny and, uh, and it's, um, you know, it had some good points in it. And, and uh, you know, other people ask questions, but, you know, where, you know, the best place to, you know, get some ramen in Tokyo is or something like that. So. Um, that's the other site I went, so it's Tabi Folk. Cool. So what is the best place to get ramen in Tokyo now? <laughs> uh, right now, probably. <laughs> now you have to answer. Now you have to tell us. Well, right now, with, yeah, with all the restrictions on travel, um, wherever you can get ramen, it's probably the best place to get it. So. Okay, okay. Good answer. Democratic answer. <laughs> But um, but I want to know something about you as a traveler now, because you've done a lot for other travelers. 
who are uh, wanting to who want to come to uh, to Japan and um, and then can consult your website and community. But I really want to know about you. What do you like when you travel? What do you look for? What's like your favorite um, uh, holiday or trip experience? Um, yeah, I think one big difference with uh, being in Japan or and living and working in Japan is that we don't get a lot of time for vacation. And if we do go on vacation, it's very, very short. Uh, so I you know, talk to people who are coming to Japan and they hear that, you know, oh, we're going to be here for two weeks or something like that. And that, to me, that, that seems unbelievable. I, how do you not get bored after two weeks? Um, but uh, so for us, it's uh, in Japan, you know, you maybe go for two or three days um, to a place, even if it's in another country. Um, so last time I went home to visit my family, um, I, I went all the way to Toronto in Canada. Uh, it's about a 14 hour flight to get there. And, uh, you know, I, I stayed for three days and then I came back. Wow. Uh, so, but, I mean, and that I, was a long holiday. Yeah, that was. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, the thing is, for, for myself, um, you know, I, I need to get that time off work. But then also, I, I travel with a personal care assistant. Um, and so they also have difficulty getting that much time off work. So, it's sort of, you know, the, the happy compromises, you know, it's not, as, it's not as long, but at least, you know, we can both go grand things. So, um, yeah. So for myself, um, I've not been on too many tours of places. Uh, I, I tend to, uh, be a bit more, uh, my own base kind of thing. So I'll, I'll come up with the things I want to see. Um, and then I'll try to look up the information to see what's necessary. Um, and you know, so it's uh, that's you know, usually the way I do things. For me, the biggest thing I think is, is often transportation, um, because I have uh, a heavy power wheelchair. I can't just fold it up, put it in the back of a taxi, or um, I can't walk at all. So um, yeah, I can usually get by with most hotel rooms. So that's, I mean, that's sort of number two on the list, kind of thing. Um, whereas uh, if I can't get to the hotel or if I can't get to um, uh, you know, a destination I want to see, and that's the biggest challenge for me. So, um, trying to find that information can be quite a challenge at times. Um, and the way kind of different countries do things is always different. So, uh, you know, it takes a lot of a lot of legwork to try to figure out what it's going to be like. But for myself, the the most interesting place I've been to, I think, was uh, Mongolia. Uh, so I went there. It wasn't something I planned myself, so that was a little bit of help, but. Um, I before I worked at where I'm working right now, I used to work at uh, an NPO that um, took wheelchairs that were unused in Japan, um, because you can get a wheelchair every three years through the system here. So there's a lot of people a lot of used wheelchairs that don't have any use afterwards um, that are, are available, and you know, and so the one of the ladies that I knew, uh, her son was disabled, and uh, she saw all these you know wasted wheelchairs. At the school is school for disabilities, uh, people with disabilities, um, and she wanted to make some use of them. So uh, what they would do is they collect the old wheelchairs, they would clean them and repair them, and then they send them to other parts of Asia where uh, they needed wheelchairs. Um, so you know, different parts of uh, you know, uh, Philippines, Cambodia, uh, Thailand, etc. Um, so if there's somebody that's wanting a wheelchair, then they try to get it to them, um, and they would send them by sending them as extra luggage of somebody who was going to that destination anyways. Um, so if somebody's going to 
uh, say Cambodia for business or for humanitarian work or something like that, instead of a suitcase, they would take a wheelchair with them. Um, and that's then, brilliant. Yeah, that's yeah, super yeah. smart. That's so, yeah. that's so smart and cost effective. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, especially again, because the, the Japanese the travelers, you know, a lot of times, it's been even if they're for business or whatever, um, they don't usually take a lot of luggage because they're just going for such a short amount of time. So for the international, you know, uh, luggage uh, allowances, they usually have extra space. So anyway, so, uh, but we organized a trip to Mongolia and uh, we went as a group of the, the staff and we took a, a full container uh, full of uh, realtors. And uh, so actually I had, because of the infrastructure in Mongolia at the time, I don't know what it's like now, but um, taking my, my power wheelchair was sort of out of the question. So I ended up using uh, a manual wheelchair, um, which is actually going to be one of the wheelchairs we gave to people. So I, I used it until, and then at the airport, I gave it to one of the, the people there. So, um, so that was a, you know, really, um, interesting eye-opening experience for me to, you know, to see, uh, the, the different, uh, challenges in different parts of the world if you have a disability, um, in the place that's, you know, not as accessible as, as the place where I live now. So. That's probably one of my most memorable experiences. Cool. And so what did you really, really love about Mongolia? Did you get to see like all, you know, the nature? You went out uh, a bit in the wild or how how was it? Yeah. I've never been, so I'm very curious. Yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting to see, uh, you know, a lot because uh, I guess there's a lot of Soviet presence back uh, a number of decades ago. So there's sort of a mixture of that with the nomadic lifestyle and the Chinese influence as well. So it was, it was really quite fascinating, um, and the people were very, very generous. And um, and uh, we went to uh, as a group. We went to this um, nomadic. Uh, uh, it's a, a yurt. It's called. It's the the well, the tent that people would live in. Yeah. So uh, we got to see what it was like inside. And um, the lady um, who was showing it, she and her husband had recently passed away. So that was sort of her, her method of uh, income. And uh, anyways, but she she had made some you know homemade uh, horse yogurt, uh, so so you know everybody got a cup of it, and, and she, she came over to start feeding me, um, and, and then uh, you know because I, I finished it all because you know that's a polite thing to do, but then it's like oh you finished okay I'll get you another one, so I uh, I had two very large portions of horse yogurt, so that was kind of a, an interesting experience, but um, it was it's such a yeah it's a really beautiful country I'd, I'd love to go back and. You know, see what it's like but uh, but there are also so many other countries you know places i'd like to go see so um it'll have to wait i guess i'll finish all the other ones but now i'm now now the horse yogurt is going to stay in my mind for like for like a whole day what what does horse yogurt taste like it tasted very like yogurt i guess it is okay. that, that much um but it, yeah the the food is a little bit different than uh, in other countries uh, in japan for example but um so it was um uh, a lot of meat and yogurt was basically the, a lot of the food. Um, our guide was somebody who had lived in Japan uh, for as an exchange student. So she said that, you know, she's always so surprised that, you know, the variety of food available in Japan, because uh, in Mongolia, there's maybe like five different types of meals. Uh, and that's sort of, you know, the, the common ones. Um, so uh, she was surprised at that. So, but, um, but yeah, a lot of use of, of yogurt. Horse yogurt is yeah. the best, really. Yeah, though. Sure. I will go around Brussels looking for for horse yogurt. Yeah, yeah. 
So I, but I have a, I have a question because um, your your interview is very much linked uh, with the the one before. Um, two days ago, I, I had a really nice chat with Camille Gungor, and I know that you two you two have a connection as uh, as um, wanderlusters, uh, yeah. in, even if in two different, uh, completely different parts of the world. Uh, can you tell us about the story of how you two how you two met? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's one of the exciting things about, you know, working in the accessible travel industry is that, you know, you get a lot of opportunities to make new friends. Uh, I think that it doesn't exist in a lot of other industries. Um, so my Camille is one of them. Uh, and uh, back, well, I don't remember when it was, um, a couple of years ago anyways, uh, not long after I started Accessible Japan, I think, uh, him and his sister and um, one of their friends uh, were planning on a trip to Japan and they found the website and, and we were corresponding and. Um, you know, they had, they need to um, get some rental equipment. That's that's one of the actually the big challenges that I have to I try to solve in Accessible Japan is that a lot of the the uh, facilities for renting places are, are renting equipment like hoists or uh, wheelchairs are available, but they're not really the idea of accessible travel or international accessible travel is somewhat new to Japan, I think. And so because of that, a lot of companies you know have very Big potential for you know business opportunities are, are completely missing it because they're focused on the way things have always been done. So, so yeah, trying to help them try get the equipment that they needed uh, for their trip. Um, and so we, we corresponded a number of times, and um, and then well, it's sort of like you know they're, they're going to be coming soon. So I said, like, well, you know, have a good trip. Um, and then I was out and about one time in in, uh, in Tokyo, and I was at a station, and I was going to use the elevator to go up to the, the ground. And I noticed in front of me there were four or three foreigners in wheelchairs. Um, but I was like, that's pretty unusual for Tokyo. So I was like, I wonder if it's Camille and his sister and friend. And so I thought, okay, well, I don't usually, you know, just randomly ask people who they <laughs> I started I waiting for them at the elevator. I was like, you're not Camille, are you? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm Josh, you know, so. <laughs> I mean, it's huge. I, I don't know what the population of, of uh, Belgium is, but. Uh, the the greater Tokyo, eleven million, Tokyo, <laughs> the whole country. Tokyo. Well, uh, the greater Tokyo area is probably about thirty million people, um, and so in Tokyo proper, I think it's about thirteen million. Um, and so in that huge city, uh, you know, they're only here for two weeks or something like that, and they're in other cities as well. We happen to bump into each other at the elevator and train station from to, to Tokyo. So uh, you know, we chatted for a while and we took a picture and we've been in touch ever since. So. Um, yeah, so it's a, there's there's your connection. So we're all linked. Yeah, yeah, no, this was so cool because you know the first two episodes and they're you know they're linked and I didn't know this. So, but but Camille was very proud of um, of his trip to Japan and uh, but he did say he did credit that um, he really used your your content and the website and your help uh, to to organize it and um, it's actually one of his tips that um, that he gave to to fellow travelers mm-hmm. to he said exploit your friends living in other countries yeah. <laughs> because they will take you to cool places and you know they will help out with the with practical details. Yeah. Do you exploit your friends too, or uh, or do you do everything by yourself? Mutual exploitation, I think. Yeah. So uh, I think the, the amazing things about the internet, um, and like comparing it to when I first came to Japan twenty years ago, and there really wasn't the same kind of internet infrastructure. And it's such a, a great equalizer for people with disabilities without disabilities uh, to just be able to connect in a different way and to uh, have a whole new 
level of access to information that we didn't have before. Um, and even if, you know, we're not traveling, we have like things like this, like podcasts where we can, you know, learn from others and hear stories. And um, so, I, you know, it's, it's really yeah, a powerful tool, I think, for people with disabilities. Sure, totally agree. What have you done in 2020? Where have you been in 2020? Um, in this terrible year? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Japan, uh, we, we don't have the same kind of you know, lockdown like in a lot of places in, in Europe. Um, uh, part of it is it, in terms of like the law, it's, it's difficult. They can't really do that. Um, so there's, there's no way to actually, you know, find people for things that aren't, that haven't been set up. Um, like you can't do sort of a, okay, from this date on, we're going to start, uh, you know, giving fines to people without actually passing a law and stuff like that. So uh, a lot of it has been more guidance. So right now we're also, we're in a state of emergency again. Uh, and basically it's, they're asking restaurants to close by 8 p.m. Um, and people to not go out unless they need to, but there's no real enforcement of it. So um, I think, unfortunately, the first time we had a state of emergency, people were a lot more serious about it, but this is the, you know, we've been living this for too long now, and, and I think people are quite used to it, so that it's not quite the same this time, but, um, which actually meant that I had to cancel a trip uh, this weekend, actually. Um, and um, yeah, so I'll go back a bit, a bit first. So um, at the beginning of 2020, I, I actually only traveled in Japan. Um, so I went to Okinawa, which is the southern islands of Japan. Um, so I went there twice, actually, last year. Um, and it's, it's sort of like uh, Japan. They call it Japan's Hawaii. But it's, it's, it's very it's tropical. Uh, so, you know, the uh, palm trees and beaches and stuff like that. So uh, probably one of my favorite parts of Japan. Um, it's, it's, it's also quite neat because it's got a different history. Um, so it's Japan, but it's also not Japan. So it sort of feels a bit like going to a different country. Um, and then I went to a place called Totori, which is sort of on the uh, Sea of Japan side of Japan. Um, sort of, it's not very big. It's actually the entire population of the province is smaller than my city. Um, and so I, through my current work at Azali, um, some, one of the people who's a politician there, he is used to work for a tea company and we were their customer. So we were somehow related to them anyways, but uh, so they uh, want to promote tourism um, and uh, they're actually quite uh, progressive in terms of accessible tourism. But one of the challenges they have is getting the information out there. Uh, so they asked me to come uh, as a quote unquote influencer. Um, so I uh, got a free trip to Totori and uh, got to meet the, um, the governor and and uh, got to see the, a lot of the different places. Actually, Totori has a, a desert, or sorry, sand dunes, I guess you call it. So it's the only sand dunes in Japan. So if you go in the middle of it, it feels like you're in the Sahara, because uh, it's very, very cool sand dunes. But then you sort of cross one of them, and then also it's the ocean. So it's, it's quite an interesting place to be. Um, so I went there, and then I got back, and pretty much immediately after that, it was a state of emergency. Uh, so didn't go a lot of places after that. But um, then as part of the promotion of like the economy here they had a go-to travel campaign in japan uh so where the government was encouraging people to travel um and they would give up to like you know 30 percent discounts on uh travel as well as you'd get maybe another 20 percent worth of vouchers that you could use at local community um so i went to different places um 
on that. Um, but then, yeah, it's gotten a bit more severe again here in Tokyo. So uh, I was supposed to go to Kochi, which is a, another prefecture, uh, but a bit further in south of Japan, um, as a uh, tour monitor to go check out a new accessible tour. But uh, considering the place I work with, the, the elderly, uh, very close proximity, and um, it didn't feel like a good time to go. So I canceled that for now, but um, hopefully I have opportunity to go again. If it was just me and traveling, then uh, I'd probably consider it. But then right now, because, you know, I, I work in a facility with, you know, over 150 people who are high risk categories, it probably wasn't really the best time. So I've done some traveling. Uh, would love to do more. I'd love to get out of Japan as well. But, um, you know, I'm sort of waiting for the right time. And um, it's not really possible, I guess, right now, leaving Japan. Okay, okay. So you get invited a lot around Japan. I mean, you don't even have time to go to go abroad because you're like you'd like too busy promoting Japan uh, uh, accessible accessible locations and destinations in Japan. This is really cool. Yeah, no, it's, lots of free holidays. Yeah, free holidays. Yeah, lots of food and uh, and uh, hot springs and stuff like that. So that's quite nice. But um, it, it, the most encouraging thing to me is not the the free vacation, but the um, the thought that. The fact that uh, a lot more places are thinking about accessible tourism now, um, that really, that really is quite something new in Japan. So uh, I'm, I'm very eager to share that with other people. So this is great. You're there at the right moment. You know, you're really the man for this moment when uh, when Japan is uh, is actually uh, opening up to accessible tourism. And I mean, it's great because you, you've already established yourself because you really know um, your topic. So. Well, so this is yeah. The timing was great because of, well, it's not. I don't know what's going to happen now, but uh, the Olympics were supposed to happen last year, right? So um, I think in a large part of it, uh, the the movement towards disability and travel, travel, I think it's definitely related to the Olympics and Paralympics. Um, uh, so I'm very very thankful for that opportunity. Actually, I'm yeah, that's it. I'm I'm actually going to be one of the torchbearers. For the so uh, they're going to attach the torch to my wheelchair. Um, so I'll be one of the one the tour uh, the torch bearers for Tokyo, if it happens. Um, yeah, exactly. My question was, what's what's the discussion now? Well, what are the updates? Is it going to take place in twenty twenty one, or is it going to be Tokyo twenty twenty two? Well, right now the plans are for Tokyo twenty twenty one, but at the moment there is sort of public sentiment is that maybe 80% of people either say to postpone it or stop. Um, so uh, the government, of course, doesn't want to do that. And the Olympic Committee and Paralympic Committee as well are uh, trying to think of different ways to do that. From what I understand, in about March or April, they'll make a final decision for this year. Um, so whether that will be... Um, so I think postponing it again is not possible. So it would be either have it or not have it at all. So, um, oh, yeah, that's it'd, awful. It'd be a shame to Fingers crossed. But at the same time, you know, all the, a lot of the infrastructure changes have already been made. So, so that's uh, in terms of accessible travel, you know, that's a lot of the, the biggest part of the goal has been achieved. I think. But. Mm, yeah, but it happened also in in um, in previous um, Olympics, where the the Paralympics uh, really really pushed accessibility and awareness in uh, in the um, in the countries where they were held. So it's really yeah, it's it's a good influence. And um, I don't know if you've seen have you seen the documentary about the um, Paralympics, the one on Netflix? No, yeah. um, oh, no. 
I'm actually. Oh, it's really cool. I think you know, also there's an there's an Italian athlete, so I'm very proud. <laughs> oh yeah, because yeah, the first one was in in Italy, right? In Rome. Uh, no, I I don't remember that exactly, but um, there there are a few people who are featured in the documentary, and uh, one of them is Bebe Vio, who is a fencing um, athlete. She's yeah. a fencing champion from Italy, so yeah. <laughs> you have to check Wikipedia after it's by. I remember correctly, I think. Rome was one of the first ones where they had it, but not as the Paralympics, but they had some corresponding games. And then Tokyo in, in 1964 was the first ones that were actually at Paralympic Games. So we have, a, we have that connection. Well, so. But yeah, I think, right, let's hope there's a Tokyo 2021. 20, yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, let's see. Let's see. What, what, what did I want to ask you? Oh, yes. My question is, well, now you're going in lockdown again. Um, what will it take for you to start traveling again? Would you travel again, um, like already as soon as the borders open? Are you, I don't know, maybe waiting for the vaccine? What, what, what's your take on this? Yeah, um, for domestic travel, I think if we weren't in a state of emergency right now, um, I would probably travel domestically. Like I said last year, I went to a couple places within Japan. Um, and, you know, everybody's very, very cautious and careful. I, mean, I think it's important to have that balance between, uh, you know, that, that caution and care, but also, um, you know, maintaining, uh, you know, normal balance as much as possible. Um, and I think the, the bigger challenge right now is, you know, the, definitely the state of emergency, but also just because of, of where I work. And also it's, it's not, there's maybe a lot of social pressure in Japan. Uh, so, you know, if everybody here is, you know, you know, going back home by 8 p.m. and not going to restaurants, and then I, you know, I was on vacation, you know, or something like that. And then if I did end up getting corona, then, you know, I'd bring it back that uh, I could potentially face a lot of backlash from coworkers. So I'm a little bit more cautious than probably other people. But um, for myself, I, I think we're supposed to get the vaccination in uh, starting the end of next month here in Tokyo. Um, and it will start with um, people who work in care facilities as well as the elderly. So I'll probably be among the first batch of people uh, because of where I work. Um, so that's that's good. So once I've gotten that, um, you know, I'd like to move back to uh, travel as much as possible uh, after that. But I, I don't I don't expect anything international very very soon. Though maybe for the end of 2021, that would that would be nice. But I'm not gonna. I'm going to hope, but not expect. Uh, so, but I, you know, it's a good opportunity to, I think, for people to explore their own communities and uh, and countries. Now, you don't need to go far to go on vacation. Um, so, I think it's a you know a good opportunity for people to, you know, get, go back to their roots and enjoy the places around them as well. So, I'm going to do that until I can get back home. Cool, cool. I wanted to ask you, what's the most alternative place that people can visit in Japan, like foreigners coming for a holiday in Japan? What would you say is the most alternative place, like really completely off the beaten track, but really off off the beaten track? So maybe According to you. Like there's not in a guidebook kind of thing or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a really like place that only the locals know that. Uh, yeah. Um. Well, I'd say like some places, uh, like the Totori, I think it's, it's a small, it's a little bit harder to get there. 
But um, I think for people with disabilities, they have, um, because they're trying to encourage travel so much, they're one of the places where they have um, taxis, about half of the taxis are all accessible, uh, which is amazing for Japan. Um, and because they have, a, they have an elderly population as well, uh, so getting around is a, is a big issue. Um, but they also have these discounts where if you're a visitor, you can go for, I think, three-hour taxi ride for about uh, 2,000 yen, which is about $20 or maybe I don't know how many euros that is. Um, so it's quite the trend. 18, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's something off the beaten path. Um, they, they have a, a big ramp up to it, so you can see the, um, the sand dunes there. And they also have um, uh, a buggy for... Um, uh, for going in the sand as well, so uh, so it's they've done a lot, I think. Um, on the same Japan, uh, the Sea of Japan side, if you go up and to the north, there's a place called Yamagata, which is another uh, prefecture. It's in the northern Japan, um, and there's a guy there who runs an accessible tour uh, organization, uh, and his biggest thing is uh, paragliding. So he has an accessible paragliding uh, from the from the hill or from the mountain, I guess. There, um, so you just you can sit in it, and somebody will do the, the steering for you. Um, he has, I he has MS, um, and he set the record for being the, the longest flight solo flight uh, in the world. So um, he's got some you know great opportunities there. Um, and it's not a lot. It's not a place a lot of people go to. So, um, but it's you can go in one train, one bullet train from Tokyo. So it's actually pretty easy to get there, um, and you know, he's very. Uh, he's actually becoming a politician uh, right now, so he's uh, definitely good. Good to get, to get to know. Him. Very good. Yeah, if he, if he gets into, the, we'll have uh, three people in wheelchairs in our um, in our government, so our parliament. And um, after that, uh, personal favorite is Okinawa. Um, as I mentioned before, it's it's Japan, but it's not Japan. Um, so if, if you like sunny tropical places, there you know uh, that I'll have. A flavoring of Japan, uh, then that's sort of definitely an interesting place to go. Um, there's tons of different little islands. It's an archipelago, archipelago. so there are, are like if you go to Ishigaki, which is one of the islands, um, and there's about five or six big islands there, or smaller islands that you can go to by ferry. Um, the ferries are more or less successful. Um, some of them are more accessible than others, but um, you know, if you can don't mind going over a small gap to get to the boat, then you know you can do that too. Um, and one of them, it's sort of a traditional way of getting around is they have these uh, water buffalo that pull these um, carts that people go on tours on, and one of them is accessible. They have a, a ramp that comes at the back of it. So, um, so there's lots of interesting places to go, and um, definitely would recommend going outside of Tokyo and Kyoto and Osaka if chance. I mean, those are great places as well, but there are lots of other super super thank you thank you um we're gonna go now uh but i wanted to i wanted to ask you can you tell our, our listeners where they can find you online so all, all your online references and contacts um there are many there are many i know <laughs> yeah well um i'm probably most active on twitter uh so i'm at josh grisdale um and that's probably where i am most active I, I have a Facebook account, but I don't really use it other than maybe interacting in groups and stuff like that, but still not that much. Um, but uh, for Accessible Japan, it is accessible-japan.com. 
Um, so that's the, but if you also if you search for accessible Japan, I'll probably be one of the first ones that comes up, I think. Um, or accessible Japan. Yes, definitely. <laughs> You're the first. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I uh, would love to invite people to come and join Tabiful. Um, you know, it's a community. Uh, so the more people we have, the you know, the more fun we'll have, but also the more information we can share. Um, so that's Tabifolk, T-A-B-I-F-O-L-K dot com. Um, so yeah, but any of those places would be great and would love to interact with people. Super, super. Josh, thank you very, very, very much. And um, well, I, I would I was hoping to come for the Olympics, uh, but let's see. <laughs> let's see if they still do them. I, I really, really hope so. It would be a great chance to to see Japan. And um, in the meantime, I wish stay safe and um, and hope to see you soon. Yeah, you too. Um, and if, if you can't make it for the Olympics in 2025, they're having the World Fair in Osaka as well so wow that's the next stop wow that, that's a super that's a super thing yeah so we can uh, we can meet up there as well oh yeah in 2025 well let's hope that this situation yeah. is solved and yeah. well behind you know okay, okay, super you. super big hug bye bye josh bye-bye. talk soon okay bye bye thank you for coming All Inclusive is brought to you by Destination Everywhere, a travel company dedicated to travelers of all abilities. For more information and for some really awesome tours all over the world, you can visit our website at www.destinationeverywhere.eu.